Hello, bonjour, and salam alaikum. Welcome to Stand Out from the Crowd, the first live podcast about no BS leadership. So if you like us, if you like the stories we share on this podcast, tell your friends and colleagues to go over on Spotify and Apple Podcast and to give us a five-star reviews because we do deserve it. Don't you think so? I hope you do. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. Are you or your team dysfunctional? We, the people, the leaders, the entrepreneurs, often don't realize how dysfunctional we are until a major crisis hits. How a standout guest are a mother-daughter duo, Anne and Heather Dranitsaris, who are two acclaimed leadership consultants who uncover the toxic dynamics, destructive behaviors, and organizational consequences of dysfunctional leaders. So whether you are a leader seeking to approve your own practices or an employee navigating a challenging work environment, this interview will give you valuable insights into the complex world of dysfunctional leadership. We're so excited to be here with you and getting to talk about one of our favorite topics. Yes, I can only imagine, right? Dysfunctional leadership. And I'm sure the past few years have been quite busy for you. Yeah, yeah new challenges definitely that it presented. So let me ask you, what inspired both of you to embark on this uh, entrepreneurial journey together? Well, Anne and I have a little bit of a different story as a mother-daughter team. Um, Anne and I met when I was 27. Uh, Anne had given birth to me just shy of her 17th birthday, and I was uh, placed in an adopted family uh, where I was raised by my adoptive mom. Um, and as I headed into adulthood um, and was preparing to get married, I decided to reach out to see if I could learn more about my biological family. And I ended up uh, connecting with Anne as well as my paternal grandmother. And we discovered that we shared a real interest in helping people to achieve their potential, that we were both really curious about the way people were behaving and why, but Anne had this all of this expertise um, around from a personal development coaching psychotherapy perspective. And I was working with organizations and organizational leaders from a consulting perspective. Uh, and three years into our relationship, we thought, let's do this together. Let's blend your expertise with my expertise. And here we are 25 years later. Oh, that's a beautiful story. What, what is your, your, your side of the story, Anne? Well, in, in for, from my, my perspective, it, it was in a really interesting time because it was, you know, a time when I wanted to move away from um, do, practicing just psychotherapy into the world of, of coaching leaders more because I recognized that many, many of my clients were coming to me because of the, the hardships they were enduring because of, of dysfunctional leaders. And Heather and I, being on different sides of the country, um, gave us the opportunity to both come together and, and talk and then go away and look at what each of us could bring to a working relationship together. Because from, from, from both sides of the equation, there was a steep learning experience working with systems and performance management or 
in any of these um, these really necessary systems that that Heather was was so easily putting in her practice in organizations, and I was working more with personality type and. Her learning curve was more around learning that side, but coming together gave us that opportunity to really, over time, develop a model where we could see where the dysfunctions were coming from when either the, the there were no systems and the, the leaders were resistant to putting in systems or the systems were there and the leaders just didn't know what to do with them. And so we're going to talk uh, further details. We're going to really deep dive into, you know, this functional leadership uh, later on in this conversation. But let's get back to you, your beautiful duo. And this is a beautiful story, actually. Thank you for sharing that story with us. Uh, you know, being a duo, mother, daughter, partners, uh, spouses, you know, bring unique strengths and challenges to the entrepreneurial journey. So what are some of the advantages and disadvantages uh, you have experienced as a, as a team? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, for us, I think it was different because we were forging our relationship and trying to figure that out at the same time we were going into business together and, and Anne had been running her own private practice for many years, but I was moving out of the organizational space into running my own business for the first time. And, um, you know, so there were there was a lot. I think the fact that we brought very different skills um, and expertise, but also a, a different way of looking at things. And yet at the core, we had a lot of similarities. And again, that vision that we had for what we wanted to do, what we wanted to create, the impact we wanted to have. Um, and our, our personalities complement each other really well. And so there wasn't a lot of conflict from that perspective as we were sort of trying to figure out roles but it was definitely i will say it was the, it was a steep learning curve from a personal growth perspective of trying to forge both that personal relationship and the business partnership um, at the same time uh, so lots was learned and fortunately for us anytime we grow as as individuals we have the benefit of bringing that to our clients right so our we started to learn that all of our experiences were part of what allowed us to do the kind of work that we were doing with our clients because we we had grown through so much together along our journey mm -hmm. and, and if i can if i can add to that when one of the things that that we um, were challenged around was there was no role for us because i wasn't coming in as heather's mother to now pick up where her adoptive mother left off and heather wasn't looking for a mother and, and so what we first needed to do was, was find that platform of, of commonality and we developed a friendship and, and, but, but the whole time in starting to work together, there was, I experienced this underlying anxiety of, you know, what if I do something wrong and what if I come on too strong, I'll push her away and be, because the relationship felt fragile for so long because there was no, even though there was a blood relationship, there was no history. Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, talk about the, everything from the imposter syndrome coming up and going, you know, oh, you can't say that or you can't push too hard or you can't be insistent. And it, and it wasn't, it wasn't really 
normal for me as an entrepreneur to be working with a partner in the way that Heather and I were working where we both had different contributions, but we did joint decision-making. I was used to making decisions on my own. And so, so the, the level of underlying anxiety that we had to navigate through that, um, you know, was often challenging, but we made it to the other side of it. And that's the beauty of it. That's resilience. So a question I like to ask all my guests uh, on this show is if I would ask your loved ones to describe you using three words, what would that be? But since the two of you are here, I'm going to ask you, Heather, what would be the three words uh, you, you, you're going to use, you would use to describe Anne? Um, wise, uh, direct, and playful. Ooh. And same question to you, Anne, in regards to Heather. Oh, my beautiful daughter. <laughs> She's not biased. She's not biased. Yes, no, no bias. Um, I would say exhilarating, motivating, and inspirational. Those are, are the top three. I always feel with Heather that I'm I'm sort of you know running after her and all of her her um, insights and visions of what we can do together. Mm. That's so sweet. I like it. So let's get back to the inspirational piece of it. Uh, Heather, what, what, what inspires you on a, on, a, on a daily basis? Or did you have any inspiration at the early age? Is that something that you develop yourself? Is that someone that you look up to? What's your relationship with inspiration and how do you leverage it on a daily basis? So I would think that, you know, from my perspective, it wasn't so much something that was outside of me, but more a drive for what I could see in my mind as being possible and having a childhood where so much of what I was surrounded with was more, you know, stay small, you know, why, why are you trying to do that? Why are you going out there? And, and, and so I came, my inspiration was I, I had this internal drive and need to create something and to build something um, that had meaning that, that it was, I remember thinking that I'm going to do something that's really going to change the way the world sees or looks at something. So my inspiration was always more sort of what my, my own brain was envisioning and creating. And that's still what drives me today is that, that just that desire to have a certain kind of impact and to create something in this world that, that I didn't have growing up or that, you know, we see, especially for, you know, around female leaders and just, you know, that ability to, um, you know, for, for us in the work that we would do with our clients, that ability to really empower them to tap into their own power and potential is, is really important. And I think that's where all of my inspiration, uh, you know, so I can't put it to a single person. It's, it's always sort of something that's been in me that's been fueling it. Right. And still does today, right? That's that's great. And so we we mentioned a few a few keywords since the beginning of this conversation: self doubt, inspiration, resilience. So we know that being a leader is not is not easy. It has its own set of challenges. And being a woman uh, who aspires to become a leader 
they are like additional <laughs> challenges and, and additional set of barriers. So Anne, could you tell us a little bit more about your journey to becoming the leader you were meant to be, you know, making the impact, you know, deep inside, you had this ability uh, to make. What was your, your major pitfall or maybe your major lesson learned when it comes to becoming the leader you were meant to be? It, it, the, this is such a phenomenal question because it, it, if we look at just the, the way we teach our leadership programs is that leadership comes from within us because we, at the end of the day, are the people who are leading. And from the first, very first time I had a management job, I was told I was intimidating, but I wasn't told anything that I could do <laughs> to stop being intimidating. I was just told I had to stop doing that. And, and so, of course, I, the pendulum swung the other way and I became very permissive and very nice and tried to make everybody happy and tried to be small and soft. And, and the, the big aha moment for me was that I could not keep defining myself based on how other people experience me. I couldn't be the leader that everybody wanted. I couldn't be that nice lady that if I was going to be impactful and powerful, I had to find the right situation to exercise my, my leadership authority as opposed to trying to keep adapting to the leadership role and the environment that I was in. And, and so I think many of us get caught up in that because we're told certain things about our personality, but you know, if, I, if I'm direct, you know, that's a strength because so many people don't have it and I can soften my tone and there are things, certainly things that, that I, I can ask more questions as opposed to telling, but certainly to do a personality adjustment no, that's the environment that needs to change, not necessarily the personality. And what you're seeing is very powerful because I do believe, especially when we are a young woman, when we are entering the workplace, even as we advance our career, there is always the thing that we want to fit in. We want to be likable. We want other people to appreciate us, right? And so to appreciate our leadership style. And so this is a trap that we can fall into so easily because, again, of other people's expectation. And I think what you're seeing, you know, it's not my job to adapt my personality to the environment. It's the environment to adapt itself to who I am. And if it doesn't work, I would add, if it doesn't work, you move on and you find a place where you can be yourself, you can thrive being yourself, and you can evolve in an environment where it's okay and it is appreciated and you being yourself is valued. Yes, absolutely. So we know that for the past three and a half years now, we have been uh, through uh, a, what we call a leadership crisis, right? Uh, the, 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 the pandemic has really was a major hit when it comes to leadership organization and the way we do, the way we think that was the right way of doing it. So our entire world was was put ups and down and, and, and leadership particularly was was badly hit. So 
I, I was laughing at the beginning and I was saying who I'm sure like you were very, very busy in the past few years, uh, more than usual, probably. But from your personal experience, can you uh, or observation, can you share uh, with us um, the impact that a dysfunctional leader had on you? Um, on, on me personally? Yes, on you personally. Yes. Um, so I, I, I like to joke because Anne and I, we, you know, we will say to people we specialize in dysfunction, right? And so we, we have so many clients that, you know, when we look at it from the perspective of, you know, their dysfunction and dysfunction is normal, right? Like when there's the opportunity for functional, there's also dysfunctional is, is a, a reality within it. And um, I think for me, the, you know, uh, over the years of working with clients who struggle with dysfunction, it's the impact isn't as, as strong. But if I think back to the early stages of my career before I started my own business and, um, you know, working with a, a leader who was quite dysfunctional, extremely hands off, uh, chaotic, um, very entrepreneurial, but really a chaotic environment that I was trying to, I was early stage of my career. So I was in my kind of mid to late twenties in, and trying to build my confidence in my ability, but because he was so ineffective at giving direction and clarifying expectations and, and, and really being supportive as I was trying to learn and develop and grow my skills is I always felt like I, I was off. I always felt like I was having to work twice as hard and twice as long and be perfectionistic and anticipate things and read his mind. And, and, and it really started to wear on my confidence um, in that environment. And I was, it was quite profound to realize, and I see this get echoed out in client experiences where, you know, we're working with individuals or in organizations where the CEO, let's say is dysfunctional or one of the senior leaders is just the erosion on our personal confidence. And we start to question ourselves. It brings in that level of self-doubt um, that makes it makes it tougher. And, you know, we can also see people, you know, sort of unravel. Fortunately for me in my particular situation, what I did was it caused me to work so hard that his involvement in the work that I was doing got decreased and I was more leading myself and leading my team and less dependent on him to provide me with direction. So that was kind of my kind of way out of it in that particular situation. Um, but it was, it was quite profound that um, especially in those stages of your career where you're a little bit more vulnerable and a little bit more dependent on the feedback from your leader or the, or how your leader is leading you um, because it can be quite shattering to, as I said, to your confidence when you you have a direct manager in particular that is dysfunctional and, and, and you know so we are talking from the perspective of the person working with uh, a dysfunctional leader but let's take a look at the other side of the spectrum uh the spectrum dysfunctional uh, dysfunction and as you said where there is function there is dysfunction so it's totally normal i think it's important to mention yeah. to mention it and yeah. the good news is that you can course correct and you yes. can improve right so dysfunction in leadership often stems from various factors right internal factors such as fear ego or a lack of self-awareness maybe a lack of competence and and much more so what seems to be the most common underlying cause of dysfunctional leadership and why? Well, it, we wrote about this in our book, So You Think You Can Lead. We, we 
did some research on this and found that most people um, are in managerial roles for nine years before they get any training. And, and the training that they get tends to be more cognitive training. They get told how to do something, but not necessarily getting any coaching. So, so if you think about nine years of developing bad habits and leading people, and, and so, so th this is by way of saying that, that I believe that most of the dysfunctions have to do with leaders not being developed up on the people side of their role. They are very developed and very confident in their functional, the business side. And that's where they want to, to keep acting from. But you move them over, it's like, say, their university level in their functional area. But if they have to go down to people leadership, they may be functioning at, say, a grade six or a grade eight um, with, with the people side of their role. And so they much prefer to just not even bother because they don't want to admit that they're incompetent. During COVID, during the shutdown, when everything was changing, they had to just go along with what, what people were saying is, okay, we have to do it this way, because they really didn't know how to lead it. They didn't know what people needed. They didn't know how to empathize. And, but they couldn't be autocratic in saying, well, you have to show up because nobody was going to show up. And it really did create a lot of dysfunction relative to, you know, the, the lack of trust that many leaders feel with their employees. Of how do I know if they're going to be working or not, if they're virtual? And, and so these leaders went through a lot. Unfortunately, a lot of them came out the other side with more, more trust in their people, while others just expected everyone to come back and do it the same way but the people they really ignore that that developing themselves up as a human being because that human doing side of them is much stronger and and they feel more confident there and that's where they want to stay so doing doing versus being and there is more proactive work to be done on the being side yes of absolutely of, of, of leadership. Uh, many organizations, they, they, they struggle to recognize or to address dysfunctional leadership until it's too late. What are the red flags leaders should look for or, or maybe be aware of in order to be able to identify dysfunction early on? It's, it's an interesting one, too, because, you know, we, we sort of talk about dysfunction from that place, as you said, it's something we can address, we can develop people through it, we can move organizations through it by looking at people and systems, but, and then there's the degree where it becomes like toxic and difficult to, to change. You know, we always say that the easiest way to spot dysfunction is to really pay attention to what people are complaining about in the organization, what the senior leaders are complaining about, those issues that seem to get talked about around and around again, but nobody ever does anything about it, because that always is an indication that there's some dysfunction that's underlying there, because if people know how to solve for it, 
and they, they're complaining about it, they're talking about it, but they're not doing anything about it, that means they don't know how to solve for it. And that dysfunction then takes root and it starts to grow from there. And then people start working around it or people start becoming, you know, adapting their behavior in order to try and survive in that dysfunction. And then it grows from there. So we pay a lot of attention um, and, and always use that as that starting place of where's all the complaints and all the frustrations that are getting talked about. And, and then we don't start digging at what's the root of the dysfunction in there um because anytime you're complaining it's true for our personal lives as well right if we just keep yeah. complaining about the same thing it's like oh there's some dysfunction there i better go after that right yeah. so that i move out of complaining into doing and and again complaining is also indicative of the fact that people don't feel like they have the power to do anything like they don't feel powerful enough or they don't feel like they're empowered to make a change and that again is an, an, an indication that there's dysfunction that exists in that particular area the the work that you're doing is is very important and is crucial in my opinion because beyond you know creating better workplace and better leaders you really contribute to helping people out either from the leadership side or from the employee side. Uh, and, and we know the impact, the, the, the mental health impact, the physical impact it can have to be working in a, in a toxic environment or, you know, to be second guessing yourself all the time, to, to be questioning yourself all the time. It takes a lot of energy. Right. So through the work that you two do together, uh, what is the lasting impact that you would like to make? As Heather said earlier, the, one of our first points of connection was that both of us were interested in helping people achieve their potential and that our we have a body of work that anybody can tap into at any time wherever they are on their journey that will move them along their path to their potential. And that in itself is the lasting impact. I wanna, I, and, and I know Heather will, will mirror this, but that we want to have, not just for the people that we work with, but the people that find us through our books and our podcasts and, and, uh, and, and our courses that are available online as well. So if there is one word, one thing that you would like to uh, add or people to remember before we wrap up, what would that be? I, I, for me, it's always the um, it, take action is is the one thing is that whenever there's something where you know you've got you're stuck in self-doubt you're stuck in a place of dysfunction uh, you're feeling powerless it's always finding that one step that one action that you can take that's going to move you in the direction of your potential and and it always just starts with one step one step at a time one little step and you know keep focusing on the progress very yeah. important. Yeah. How yeah. about you, Anne? <laughs> Feelings aren't facts. So don't listen to the stories that your brain tells you about what you can't do because sky's the limit. Ooh. It's only limited when we don't try. Right. So give it a try. One step at a time. Step Believe in yourself. Focus on the progress. And you will see there is nothing that is too high for you to achieve. Yeah. Right. Love that. Absolutely. Heather, 
And thank you so much for this great conversation today. I have personally learned a lot about dysfunctional leadership. Obviously, those are the things that we know, but we don't know what are the words you know to put on those things. So because of you today, now we can give it a name and we can better understand <laughs> what's lying behind you know uh, those those those. Um, those experiences so thank you so much for being here with us today to all of you watching and listening thank you for being here once again and i will see you next week you take care and you stay safe bye bye